Welcome, and thanks for listening to 9 and 10 News Focus, brought to you by Lake Effect Digital. I'm Kevin Essebaggers. The Dixon campaign has to come out of each of these debates drawing some blood. Um, they are going to have to be on the offense. This week, the candidates for governor of Michigan will share a debate stage. After several weeks of trying to characterize their opponent, this will be the first of two in-person debates between Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Republican challenger Tudor Dixon. It comes as Whitmer's been spending big on advertising because she can. Democrats' war chest is significantly bigger than Republicans. So a debate could be just what Tudor Dixon needs to turn the tide of polls showing voters favoring Whitmer. John Selleck is a Republican strategist not affiliated with either campaign who has some insight on the shape of the race right now. Nine in 10's Eric Lloyd caught up with him to ask about the debate and more. Where'd the, the race start? I know our stand right now, CBS just had a new poll that shows it a lot closer than some of the other ones. Um, we're three days out from the first debate. Kind of just what's the status of the uh, gubernatorial race right now? Yeah, we're at a key turning point or pivot point potentially right now because we're getting down to the last few weeks of the race. And this week, uh, two big things are happening. Both first, the, the uh, Republican Governors Association is scheduled to start running ads on television, which would be a huge boost for the Dixon campaign who struggled with resources, haven't been able to run their own ads. There's a whole mystery of what those ads would look like and what their goals are and what we the messaging that we see in those will tell us a lot about what they see in their polling. And then obviously the second thing is the, the first debate coming up this week. Uh, debates can go one of two ways. They can be snoozers uh, or they can be fireworks and really change or alter the, the course of a race. And so watching what happens in that debate and the reaction to it this week is really going to be uh, the second big thing for the week. Do you feel it was, did RGA do this on purpose, timing it right right before the debate to kind of just get as much impact as possible out of name recognition and everything? Uh, they reserved that time a long time ago. And national groups uh, have to pay a higher rate for these television ads than candidates do. And candidate, or ads get more expensive as we go along simply because of scarcity. So these national groups tend to go in and reserve running backwards from election day out and they hold at least a basic amount of time. And then they make their decisions as they get closer, whether they're still going to run the ads or whether they would give up the time. But they've held that those reservations all the way through. So we have to assume they're going to start advertising this week. And the, really the, the mysteries that will unfold from that are, uh, do they have to come in and start attacking Governor Whitmer for the full 30 seconds of their ad that whole time? Is that the way they'll do it? Or will they do maybe a contrast ad? Where they still try to help boost Tudor Dixon's name ID up? Is she struggling a little bit with that? She needs some help. If they have to accomplish two goals with the same 30 seconds, it gets a little trickier about how effective it can be, because if you have to spend the first 15 seconds talking about the positives of Dixon and then switch over in the contrast to the last 15 seconds attacking Whitmer, um, you're fitting a lot in there. But that may be necessary at this point. So I think that's why a lot of eyes are not only watching to see if the ads run, but what are what messages in the ads. And then with the debate, uh, you used to be with uh, Team Shooty and everything, you uh prepped him for debates against Governor Whitmer. Uh, she's a, well, Shudy was a very established politician as well, but she has been her whole life kind of. What is Tudor Dixon getting into as like this outsider that has only dealt with some primary debates and that's it um, compared to somebody uh, much more experienced? Uh, preparing for debates, if you're doing it right, takes up a lot of time. It's a huge strain on both campaigns, uh, resources, their time, taking the candidate off the road to prep. Um, somewhere out there in the world, my guess is that there is somebody standing in as 
Tudor Dixon, uh, you know, practicing with Governor Whitmer. There's somebody out there standing in for Governor Whitmer, uh, helping Tudor Dixon prepare for this as they go forward. There's tons of issue research, uh, messaging books. You have to plan out for a lot. You're delivering the message you want to deliver as a candidate, but you also have to plan what your attacks are going to be. And most importantly, anticipate and be coolly ready to respond to whatever attacks are coming your way. Um, we thought we were only going to have one debate, but now it looks like we have two. That that makes it more interesting as well, plotting out what they'll talk about at each one, which messaging they think need to do. But the timing is also key. Uh, with the lead in the polls, Governor Whitmer was able to dictate when these debates would happen. Uh, the absentee ballots have already gone out and people are voting. We haven't seen a debate yet. So that's an advantage to Whitmer overall. And then she may be trying to figure out how she gets to talk to those undecided voters who have been sitting here being bombarded with advertising for literally months on end. And if they haven't made the purchase yet of voting for Governor Weber, she wants to try to make that case in person uh, to them and see if she can pull some of those undecided votes so they don't all go to Dixon. What have you seen from uh, Tudor Dixon over the timeline of the, the primary through the debates getting more refined as went along and then as she's been the last few uh weeks since the primary uh what have you seen from her that how do you think she's going to do and then also what is going to be a winning debate for uh for tudor dixon what is she going to have to do to do that right um the dixon campaign has to come out of each of these debates drawing some blood. Um, they're going to have to be on the offense and they're going to have to try to pick an issue or two where they get the governor to stumble in some way. Even if the governor doesn't stumble, they have to deliver some blows that folks who are undecided are out there thinking, oh, this is my candidate. That's who I need to go with. I wasn't paying close attention or I couldn't make up my mind, but I heard the right words. And I'm sure what we're going to see is more of the messaging we've seen since the primary, which is a lot about education and learning loss and what's being taught in schools, parental rights, all that good stuff. And then what we continue to see in the polling all the time is the most damaging to Democrats, and that's the economy and trying to pin some of that on the governor. She's been very good when she's just on the air controlling the message, isolating herself from President Biden, letting him be the target for all the bad stuff as far as inflation and job loss and fears of recession and have her carve out sort of her own little island of somebody who's here on the ground, who's at least basically competent and is carrying things forward, which was what a lot of people are willing to settle for right now. I think that's why we see Whitmer's numbers kind of steady right around 50% somewhere in there. But Dixon has really twofold. She has to let people know who she is. There's just so many people who still, even in the GOP numbers, aren't fully aware of her and haven't made a choice yet. So she needs to bring those people home. So she's got to deliver a basic message on conservative issues. But the second part is trying to put a dent in Whitmer. And particularly that comes with those undecided voters because if they've been exposed to all this messaging for so long about the governor and still haven't made the buy, then maybe they can pull them into the Dixon camp uh, now. And she's got to use both debates for that. You know, the other thing I'd mentioned, Eric, is we forget because everything is so prepackaged and so much money is spent to make everybody look perfect. These two candidates are human beings. And the prep time when you're getting ready for a debate like this is nerve wracking. Um, it's going to be the first time that you're truly face to face with somebody. You're not only going to be face to face with your opponent, but you're going to be out there like on the circus stage with everybody watching you from, you know, a 360 vantage. And one misstep and you fall off the rope and hit the net. And that's not that's not something that allows you to sleep well at night. Um, but it's also an opportunity for both of them 
to try to grab those undecided voters for Whitmer to solidify her position. And when you look back on these, um, a, a draw coming out of these debates, basically somewhat of a snooze fest, is a victory for Governor Whitmer. That's all she has to pull off. So she needs to simply stay in the messaging she has, be prepared for some of the attacks she's going to get, but come out smiling, and that's going to be a victory for Whitmer. What uh, what would you recommend to, because there are a lot of voters, I mean, I've experienced this, I'm in the middle of this, so I'm aware of what's going on, but there are, like you said, a lot of people aren't even sure much about Tudor Dixon. What would you recommend to our viewers or such to keep an eye out? What should they watch for? What can they take away the most? Because there is going to be a lot of things thrown out uh, and back and forth. But like, what is going to be key for the viewer, the average voter to understand and take away from this? Well, for Dixon, what she's going to hope is that female voters find something else about her besides the abortion issue. She's been bombarded with $14 million in ads defining her as an extremist on an issue that turned out to be incredibly important for a wide, a wide swath of voters this year. And she needs to let them know, Hey, that is an issue. We might disagree on it, but look at all these other things that governor Wimmer has not done well on. There's a reason why she's not talking about her record so much And let me tell you about what I would do differently on education, on learning loss, on parental rights, but maybe more so on the economy. And when we look at most national polling, Republicans usually have the the edge in generic numbers when it comes to who, which party will do a better job with the economy. Um, Governor Whitmer, on the other hand, has been doing the best she can in her ads to kind of shore up those weaknesses. So she's running ads right now about making sure we can manufacture enough chips in this country to do all the manufacturing that we do in Michigan. We know we have literally thousands of GM cars sitting around Lansing even that can't be sold because they don't have those chips. And she talked about her efforts to help fix that problem. And we've seen her talking about education. She knows she's going to get attacked in these debates on education. Schools were closed. Uh, People were remote learning that didn't go so well. Um, And it happened on her watch, whether you think it's solely her fault or the pandemic is something that's kind of forced her hand. Um, Regardless, you're going to have a discussion about that in these debates. Okay. Um, and then I guess I just want to ask you also about like we've been getting I've been getting direct messages and emails about polling in general. When we see one that has a 17 point lead and then another, it's down to five or six. I mean, how does that happen? What should people take away from that? Or is it just basically who you ask at that time is the answer you get? And it's an in, in, in exact science. Well, these days, if the poll comes out uh, the opposite of the way you're leaning, then you're going to tend to like dismiss it. And people don't want to be told how to vote. But make no mistake, these polls matter. That information gets into people's minds. And it's just human nature to kind of want to be on the side, potentially, of the winner. If you're undecided, you're like, okay, well, you know, my friends are all going for Canada X, so I'll go with them too. Most of the reasons that we see big differences in these polls are in the methodology of how they do them. The poll that came out uh, over the weekend from CBS that had it much closer didn't have any undecided voters listed. We've never seen that before. So basically what they did is they asked a lot of questions of people who said at first they were undecided and were able to deem, in their opinion, which way they were leaning. So they call them leaners and they put them into each camp to try to show where a final election result might happen. But we know that there's a bunch of undecided out there and they're you know ranging anywhere from eight to 12%, which is pretty significant for Tudor Dixon because like I said earlier, if the voters have been exposed to $30 million worth of pro Whitmer advertising and this cluster still didn't make up their mind quite often. They don't go with the incumbent. They go the other way. So that's going to be really important. The other factor with polling right now is 
for whatever reason, uh, a lot of the new voters that came into the Republican fold under President Trump are not trusting of a lot of institutions. The media is one of them, and so is a random phone call from a pollster. So they're harder to get a hold of. They're harder to get to answer the phone. The pollsters are trying all these different ways, like texting, messaging, anything they can do to try to draw them into the mix. And it's created uncertainty every time there is a poll, if we've gotten a hold enough of those folks, or if we've weighted the polls artificially in a guess as to how many of them are going to turn out even without Trump on the ballot. Okay. Um, anything else you think I should know? I think it's interesting um, to focus in if you, depending on how much of this is about the debate, yeah. that human that human aspect of it, that we, we just forget that Governor Whitmer has been in politics for a long time, but she's only run for governor once and she did two debates and that was four years ago. So now you're back up on this like tightrope uh, above the crowd and Everybody says that you've got this wrapped up. And sometimes that's when the most of the pressure comes. You think, I don't want to screw this up. I don't want to accidentally drop the ball. And that's what Dixon's going to be aiming to do. Dixon was pretty um, aggressive in some of her uh, primary polling with her st- or, uh, debates with her strategy. And then the flip side is that even though Tudor Dixon appeared on a cable news show for quite a while, that's not the same as actually being on stage with your opponent, with all the TV cameras rolling. There's a lot of anxiety and nervousness and deep breaths going into that. And sometimes uh, the winner is simply who ends up being able to physically keep themselves the calmest, remember what their strategy was, and just see their way to the end without having, you know, an accidental implosion. <laughs> yeah. And and when you do have that person across from you, then sometimes you're... <laughs> your planning and your strategy goes out the window because you see an opening or something like that, or you. Yeah, absolutely. How well did they, how well did they sleep the night before the debate? Uh, You know, how did their day go? Did one of their kids have a bad day leading up into the debate? How much distraction was created? Because this is why I talked about earlier that so much time ends up being taken away from the rest of the campaign to prepare for these because you have to do your studying on your issues you know are probably going to come up you need to look at all the issues where you're probably going to be attacked and craft and memorize the responses you're going to have so you can stay calm because you know those things are coming um and even the the day before and the day of how much time is literally spent in a room with staff with somebody pretending to be governor Whitmer, somebody pretending to be tudor dixon as you practice and work your way through these things to try to control the end game in the bigger picture sense that probably means that there's less pressure on Governor Whitmer overall, not only because she's in the lead, but she's done this a little bit before. Uh, and the pressure's on Dixon, not only to draw some blood, but really just to present herself for the first time in a way that a lot of voters haven't seen. Yeah. And that just that time simply by itself may help her gain votes in the undecideds, not because she will have bashed Governor Whitmer or scored a good attack, but simply because people haven't seen her. And her greatest strength, probably Dixon's, is her ability to deliver a line on television in a television-ready way. So she should be looking forward to these debates as well. Was there anything when you guys were with uh, Shooty that, like, surprised you about her performance? I mean, did you guys, when you are putting it together, did you see cracks in the armor? I mean, uh, what was that experience like that you could take away from those two four years ago? Well, Governor Whitmer is a pro. She's been in politics a really long time. Uh, and her instinct in the past, her reputation was to be kind of a political fighter. She was the one when she was in the legislature with the minority Democrats 
that came every day to battle. She's the one that came to the microphone on the House floor and, and or the Senate floor and took it to Republicans. I think four years ago, a lot of GOP advisors thought that was the person that you wanted to see on the debate because that was the person while they're exchanging punches might make a mistake or might go too far or might not look as attractive as a steady leader uh, as they thought. But what we saw was somebody who was very well prepared, who was confident and upbeat. And I think we're seeing that same Governor Whitmer in all of her advertising and all of her media appearances that are controlled. Uh, there's not a lot of talking to the media these days. They're being very cautious. And that's probably the message, the style that she's going to deliver in this debate. So I don't think this debate is about necessarily tripping her up. It may more so be a victory for Dixon, just in the sense that people actually got to see her in what of what is probably one of her stronger suits, which is being on television and directly communicating to an audience. And then if she manages to get a couple of punches in here, um, that will tell us something too, because her attacks in the debate on Whitmer may be something that's echoed in these new television advertisements that are coming from the from Washington, DC against Governor Whitmer. And in that sense, if you see those messages going together, that's a sign of a of a well-prepared campaign. Now, near the last debates in the primary, I remember everyone was coming at her because she was the establishment. She had the the backing and everything, and she kind of just sidestepped um, everything and then kept going with her um, message. But it sounds like, I mean, she probably won't be able to do that this time. She's going to have to respond to it because she's coming from behind, not running from the front. Well, the Dixon campaign's attempt to pivot for the general essentially has been that the abortion issue is not, you know, in the hands of a governor. And so, yes, that issue has been talked about plenty. I think she makes a valid case that she wants to be able to talk about other issues, clearly in polling, other issues like inflation and the future of the economy are super important. They're right up there with abortion. Um, but that's not the media's responsibility. That's the that's the campaign's responsibility. The, the GOP has to be able to have the resources and the skill to push the message past abortion, or at least get something that's up there, you know, at the same level. So we're having a full discussion of what it takes to be governor instead of just being labeled uh, in one way. Um, the flip side is for, for Governor Whitmer in 2018, um, the energy in their party then, as it is now, is to the far left. And those policies have not proven to be popular. They've actually kind of got President Biden hung up in some tough spots because he's moved so far to the left on some issues. The thing that she, uh, that Governor Whitmer benefited from in 2018 was that she had in her primary two competing left-wing candidates that kind of took up not only all the energy and the noise there, but they split each other's vote and that allowed the governor to slide through. This time, she didn't have to face that in the primary, but she's certainly going to face those kind of questions and her ties to President Biden in the debate by the Dixon team. You can catch the debate on TV this Thursday, October 13th at 7 p.m. in Northern Michigan. It will be live on Local 32. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me again as we take a closer look at issues in the news affecting northern Michigan. 9 and 10 News Focus is brought to you by Lake Effect Digital.